Katie Kimball of Kids Cook Real Food. Katie is a mom of four, and she has learned through her own experience how to teach kids how to not only eat, but how to cook real food and enjoy it. Katie has created a course called Kids Cook Real Food. She is on a mission to redefine the meaning of kids meals. I am excited to have her on today's podcast and I hope you'll stick around to the very end because Katie has a special offer for all of my listeners that will help you raise a child who can actually get in the kitchen and cook. Katie has tons of helpful information on her website as well as on her Instagram account. So make sure that you check out the show notes for links to a lot of really useful information as well as Katie's course all about teaching kids how to cook safely in the kitchen. Welcome to A Healthy Bite. You're one nibble closer to a more satisfying way of life, a healthier you and bite-sized bits of healthy motivation. Now let's dig in on the dish with Rebecca Huff. Today I am here with Katie Kimball. This is a subject that's very close to my heart and that is kids meals, what we feed our kids, how we feed them, how we talk about this. So we're gonna be talking about something uh, called kids meals, kids meal revolution. And Katie's going to share some of her secrets for changing the language around how we talk about kids' meals, getting kids to eat, and the really important thing is getting kids in the kitchen cooking their own meals. Welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. You spoiled the ending, though. Now there's no mystery. There's no mystique. The kids have to get in the kitchen, but that's okay. There, we got to build the whole case about why that's so important. <laughs> we do. I talk about getting kids in the kitchen all the time because I love cooking. And I just think it's so much fun. So if you're listening, make sure you stick around to the end because Katie has a special offer that she's going to share with you all. So if you're listening, just stay tuned because she's going to share more about that at the very end. But let's get started. So when we talk about kids meals, I know there's probably a lot of people out there thinking about a particular restaurant. Can you clarify kids meals. Okay. Whatever restaurant you're thinking of, it's the same menu as all the other restaurants, which is part of the problem. When we look at a, when we look at a restaurant kids menu, it's bland food. It's all basically different renditions of bread and cheese, right? Mac and cheese, grilled cheese. You got your chicken strips, your pizza, your cheeseburger. And it's all, it's, it's bar food, Rebecca, right? Let's think about that. This is like pretty much an appetizer menu at a bar or what you get at a county fair. And that's fun for sometimes, but dangerous for all the time. It's dangerous when we train our kids, that's what they should eat. And so not only at sit down restaurants, we look at fast food restaurants, and then we look at what the culture, the food marketing culture says that we should feed our kids at home to make it easy and convenient and battle free so that they'll actually eat the food. How many parents are short order cooking chicken nuggets and fries and burgers and frozen pizzas? for their kids, but we cannot train our kids up to eat that nutritionless diet. And I'm guessing most of your listeners are already filling their kids' plates with very nourishing foods, but they're still, we've got to give them agency to do it themselves when we launch them into the world. 
true. I think a lot of my listeners are maybe similar to me. We start out, when I was back in my 20s, I was taking my first child to get kids meals. Maybe I didn't really understand exactly all of the implications of that. But as you learn and grow, as your children grow and you grow into your parenting, you start thinking, how do I get started? What do I do here? And I know Especially with our first child, we, you know, we may run into a few roadblocks when it comes to feeding them. And then we're wondering, how do I get them to eat? So what does this transition look like if someone has maybe been feeding their children some of these kids meals and they want to get started? What are some of the first few steps they would take to transitioning to some better choices? Yeah, step one is no guilt. Okay. Mm. Like you said, nobody holds their newborn baby in their arms and says, I'm going to feed you chicken nuggets and French fries every day, honey. That's ridiculous. So we don't start out seeking a bad habit. We slide into bad habits because the culture drags us down and our energy levels, our decision-making powers at the end of the day are very much reduced. Mm. And so if you're short order cooking, like no guilt, but tomorrow is a new day. And that's really important is for you to make that commitment. Okay, I see this. I believe it's a problem. I don't want my kids growing up having this very narrow, bland palate with very few vitamins and minerals. I want Mm -hmm. better. And so tomorrow's a new day. I think there's two ways to do it. There's the pull the plug and there's the gradual shift. And you just Mm got to pick the one that'll work for you. The pull the plug means you're going to probably have three to seven days of a lot of whining, complaining and gnashing of teeth at the table where the the children are getting yanked out of their habit and put into a new habit. But as parents, and and this is, by the way, this is pre-teenagers. Teenagers are a whole different chapter in the parenting handbook. We're still writing, at least co-authoring the chapters in their book called What is Normal? Mm -hmm. And we can create, I believe, a new normal by what we do, by the standards we set. Okay, so if you do the rip off the mandate, pull the plug strategy, you just say, you know what? we're cooking one meal every day in this household. We're not making two anymore. We're not making three. And I know families who make three and four meals to serve what the different eaters in their family are willing to eat. That's too much work. People were exhausted already. Don't do mm-hmm. that to yourself. So one meal, we're going to make one meal. And you know, you've set the expectation for your child that at least one bite of everything mm-hmm. that is served goes on their plate. Okay. We cannot mandate that the bite goes down their mouth because eating, sleeping, and pooping are the three things kids are in charge of and they know they're in charge of. (laughs) So you're setting yourself up for a power struggle if you mandate eating, sleeping, or pooping. Um, But you can mandate that one bite on Mm -hmm. the plate. Okay. So if you're, again, if you're pulling off the bandaid, what I would say is say, this is the new normal. We're going to make one meal every day in the Kimball household and one bite goes on your plate. But then you make sure as you create those meals, that there's, that there are options, that there are three mm-hmm. different things, a main course and two sides or some salad and raw veggies. And that each child sitting at the table has at least one thing that they can eat, at least mm-hmm. one friendly food as you're transitioning. If you want to transition more slowly and not just put down the hammer, obviously you might say, I need you to have one bite on your plate of the adult meal for today even you're still having your nuggets and fries or your pizza. Like you can have this piece of pizza, but instead of being allowed to eat the half of the pizza, you have one piece of pizza. And if you're hungry for more, choose from the rest of the food we've served. Does that make sense? See how that's like a hybrid. Mm-hmm. They still get their old friends. And then at some A little point, less friction. A little less friction, but it's going to take longer. Mm-hmm. So it's, you want to have a lot of patience for three to seven days 
or do you want to stretch out your need for patience and reiterating what you're doing and shifting and stuff? So both should work fine. Again, your goal is to rewrite the new normal. The younger kids are, the faster and easier that'll happen. And Mm -hmm. the faster they'll forget the old normal. And we're talking young, like preschool, early L, they'll start Mm -hmm. to forget, which is great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Their memories are short, but I mean, the the bottom line is we need to widen our kids' palates, right? We need to have nourishing food on their plates. Um, We've got one member right now in our kids' book, Real Food eCourse, her name's Kara, and she has had a a very difficult health history herself. Like she has Mm -hmm. health problems where she just needs to sit on the couch some days, like she doesn't have the energy Mm -hmm. to get up, but she knows for herself, food was at the root cause. Mm-hmm. she sees that for her kids she says I know they need to eat well I know they need to do it for themselves so like she powers through and is teaching them to cook with their classes but the beauty is she said by lesson four it felt productive and delightful she enjoyed mm-hmm. her time in the kitchen and her kids were actually giving back after just a couple investments so that's where you just gotta parenting's hard you gotta dredge up the patience and plow through what I'm hearing is you have to have a plan. So think about your strategy because I I can see some of the pitfalls that we as parents might fall into. One is ultimatums, eat that, or you're not going to the party kind of stuff. That's going to get a parent into a lot of trouble. You're yeah. You're inviting power struggles there. You have to be willing to follow through and are you really willing to follow through? That's why I say just one bite on the plate. So here's a fun, like little brain science tidbit that can help okay. a lot of parents. Okay. Mm-hmm. So each person has what I call an exposure bucket for a food. Mm-hmm. So let's say carrots. When your kids are toddlers, everyone always says, oh, don't stop after feeding them carrots once. You got to try 10 times and then it'll be fine. It'll work. You hear that, mm-hmm. which is good yeah. advice if all children were the same, <laughs> but True. they're not right. Mm-hmm. Plenty of kids love carrots after the first try. There are going to be some selective eaters. And I know some of your listeners are going, mm-hmm, mine. Who needs 123 exposures to carrots before they're willing, before they're inoculated to that? That's a lot of carrots on the plate mm-hmm. day after day after day and going into the trash. But the way the exposure bucket works is that any exposure counts, which means shopping for that carrot, washing that carrot, cutting that carrot, cooking that carrot, serving mm-hmm. that carrot to the rest of the family. Boom. Now you have five bonus exposures in one day. And so that's where you can really start to speed up the process, whether you're doing mm-hmm. the gradual change or the rip the bandaid off. If your kids are involved with the food, they're getting that more exposure and there's no pressure to eat it in the kitchen. Oh. Where does the, the power struggles at the table come? Because the kids, even if you don't say it, especially if you put a whole serving of something that they don't like, or they don't, they're not familiar with, Mm-hmm. And their brain is going, oh my gosh, I have to eat this. They're super stressed. They're not open to new things. Their body's not going to digest well when they're stressed. But in the kitchen, before it's time to eat, there's no pressure to eat. So they mm-hmm. can hang out with the food. They can make friends with food. They can learn some skills. They might even lick their fingers and get a little taste of that <laughs> new food. Gross, but helpful with the uh-huh. with having a eater. Yeah. Without the pressure to eat it. And so their stress levels are going to be reduced they'll be more likely to come to the table, more open and willing to those foods. That's very interesting. I've heard the process before, but the way you explained it, I've never really heard it put that way about the exposure. And so I guess that's why a lot of people, when they teach us to expose our kids to these foods, they encourage you to take your children to the supermarket and let them pick out 
some produce that they've maybe never tried before. It looks interesting to you. So that makes a lot of sense. That's where you're going with that. I get it. Very cool. So when we're trying to transition from what a lot of us know as kid-friendly food or kids' meals, why is it that as a society, we're calling a kid's meal a kid's meal when we're talking about fast food? And why are we not calling a kid's meal something like peas and carrots? Can can you explain that to me? Why are they so bland and tasteless and barfed? The first kid's menu actually started coming up in restaurants over 100 years ago. And at that time, the only people who went to restaurants were the affluent. Mm. And restaurant owners thought, hmm, these affluent people have children and they always have to get childcare when they come to a restaurant because no one would pay Mm -hmm. for an expensive restaurant meal for a child. So they created the kids menu at a lower price point and they actually had doctors nutritionally balance these kids menus. So they were super nourishing, but yet Mm. bland. They didn't expect kids palates to be able to handle any like interesting food. So Mm -hmm. the parents were coming and having like really exotic foods, high price point. If they could bring their kids along for an affordable price point, the restaurant owners assumed they would come more often and it worked. But the shift happened in like the 50s after World War II, convenience was everything, right? That's when TV dinners came out. That's when like Mm. vacuum cleaners and everyone started having washing machines and and the housewife's Mm -hmm. work was so much easier. And so the convenience foods in the home led restaurants to shift their kids' menu to what they thought kids would eat. Parents didn't want to let it go. They didn't want to let wow. go of that nice low price point and that nice that kids menu. And so in somewhere between them, between the fifties and the seventies, we fully shifted away from this nutritionally balanced doctor created kids menu into what will they eat? What will get more people in our restaurant? The happy meal came out in 1979. So that's my whole life. We've had fast food meals with a little toy. It's all marketing. Wow. But as, as marketing very clearly changes the mentality of the culture, we can, mm-hmm. we can see that in lots of places. Marketing has created this divide between what we expect right. kids to eat and what we expect adults to eat. And it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. How in the Crazy. world, when are kids supposed to shift? If yeah. we're lowering the bar constantly, and this is lunch menus too, don't even get me started about hot lunch in schools and restaurants and fast food. And then the marketing in the freezer section and in the, as you're walking through the grocery store, the boxes with the cartoons on them are convenient, bland, nutritionless food. And so we're raising a generation of kids who assume that's what they're supposed to eat because that's what they're being fed. Wow. I had no idea the history about that. That's really interesting. And as a person who's been there, whenever the kids meals, as you're mentioning in 1979, because I vividly remember my grandmother taking my cousins and myself, we would go to the restaurant and have a kid's meal. And the whole like experience was new to her because she had been preparing from scratch food for her family. So this was something new and it was presented as this great and fun, wonderful thing. By the time I started having children, it was a tradition. You take them to get the kid's meal but now I don't ever, I think I probably haven't been to a fast food restaurant since maybe 2000. So good for you. <laughs> 20 something years. And when my older children were younger, I remember letting them watch, what was it? Super Size Me, where he 
ate only McDonald's food for a while. And that grossed my kids out so bad that they were like, no, I never want to eat fast food. No, thank you. That's brilliant. <laughs> but, Everybody should have their kids watch that. I don't know. I don't know if that was the right thing to do or not. I, I was winging it. I didn't have someone like you teaching me and telling me the right thing to do as far as why do we think that we have to let our kids order off that menu? I'm not sure because like I said, I stopped going to fast food restaurants. When I take my children out to eat, it's usually to a sit down restaurant Mm -hmm. and the waitress would ask, do you need kids menus? And my kids are like, no, my kids never order off the kids menu. So why do so many of us feel like we have to order off of the kids menu? It's cheaper. It's cheaper. It's easier. It's cute. Mm -hmm. It's on the little coloring Mm -hmm. page. And most of the time, the, the problem is even kids raised in a real food household like mine, they like those fun foods. They're, you can't take the humanity out of the child that we, our taste buds are geared toward craving sugar and craving salt and craving those highly unfortunately, what the food marketers have figured out how to put into highly processed foods because it's what we crave because it should be, it should be minute in nature, Mm -hmm. but it's everywhere in culture. So it's definitely easier. One, one thing I like to prove to people is that you can make chicken strips. You can make a grass hamburger with a homemade bun. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you can make those similar foods so much more nutrient dense fashion so many fewer chemicals, so many fewer neurotoxins like MSG, you can make that at home and how empowering to show kids that they can make that. Mm -hmm. Last week, so my kids, my older two, Paul and Leah, they're 15 and 12 now for about three years, they've been making dinner once a week, which is awesome. It's good for them. It's confidence boosting for them. And it gets me a little time back. And we're recording this during Lent. My husband is trying keto for Lent for the first time. And so he told the kids, he said, don't worry about it. I'll figure out a salad and her boiled eggs or whatever. Whatever you cook is fine. But my daughter, like she's a giver. So she starts looking up all these keto recipes and she made keto fried chicken for him. It was a really extensive, complicated recipe, but she nailed it. And it, I mean, it kind of looks like chicken strips, but it's grain free, low carb raised meat. And they know that they can do it themselves, which is pretty cool. That is so cool. So you mentioned a couple of examples as to why we need to transition away from the society's idea of a kid's meal. Can you give us a little bit more of an explanation as to what a kid's meal, a healthier kid's meal would be? Mm -hmm. I I think if we want to talk about kid food or Mm -hmm. a kid's meal, only two things should be different between that and what the adults are eating. And one is portion size. Mm-hmm. that's pretty obvious, right? Kids are smaller. They should have less food on their plates. And the other, for some kids need this, others don't, is that you might need to deconstruct the meal or, okay. or reduce the spices a little bit. So if I'm going to make something that's more kid-friendly, certain kids, not all, but certain kids mm-hmm. don't like their food to touch. Mm-hmm. A casserole is their kryptonite. And so how can we serve food that the adults and the other children like, but still help speak the love language, speak the eating language of the child who doesn't like their food to touch. There's no short order cooking needed. You just serve the different parts separately. You serve your sauce in one bowl, your meat in another, maybe if it's a pasta or rice or grain in another, you know what I'm saying? Or Mm -hmm. imagine like a burrito bowl bar, instead of making a burrito casserole, the burrito bowl bar, everyone has access to everything. Your eaters who maybe have more distinct 
distinct likes and dislikes or they don't like their food touching, they're still eating, they're still joining in the meal, you're still making one meal. And I talk about growth language, growth mindset a lot. Carol Dweck mm -hmm. says we don't we, we can't fix our kids, especially assuming that they will always be the way they are. Like I have a six-year-old, he doesn't know how to write a five paragraph essay, but I'm not freaking out about that. I have a nine-year-old who has no idea how to take a final exam. Mm -hmm. That's that's okay. Before my kids were potty trained, I never once stayed up like staring at the ceiling in despair going, oh, they're going to go to college in diapers. Oh my gosh. We assume growth in all areas. But sometimes when it comes to eating, we assume they'll stay picky forever. Stop it. Wow. <laughs> They're going to grow. They're going to grow in eating. It's a process, just uh -huh. like academics, just like personal hygiene. I do have some concerns. I have some boys. I'm like, I don't know if they'll ever shower daily, but we they can grow. So this, the secret word for growth mindset is yet. Yet. Any, yet. Anytime you talk with your kids about food, you say things like, oh, it's okay if you don't like that yet mm. oh I, I see you're not choosing the feta cheese today you don't like you don't appreciate that yet. yet or oh you're not really mixing your foods yet that's okay so you're setting it up you're setting it up with your language that they are going to grow they're going to change their palate will change their preferences will change and just allowing making room for that growth but accepting where they are so smart wow yet something so simple mm. We do. We kind of panic as parents. Like oh, they're never gonna, they're never gonna learn to eat all of this stuff. Yeah. Yet it's oh wow, so simple yet so profound. I love that tip. Thank you. Okay. So for parents who are, are gonna hear this and they're gonna okay, wow, I really need to do this. This is great. So this seems like something I can actually implement. I can actually do this. But wait a minute. I don't really know how to cook myself. I'm not really Julia Child. So what am I going to do? How do I make this happen? Do you have some starter steps or some kind of beginner method for people who want to do this? They want to get in the kitchen with their kids, but they really aren't that confident themselves. Yeah, totally good question. We actually do have a lot of moms and dads who they, they surreptitiously will say like in a private message or an email, they're like, well, actually I'm learning with my kids. I'm embarrassed about it, but don't be embarrassed. Like oh, yeah. it's so good for kids to see us learn. That teaches uh -huh. them the value of lifelong learning that allows us to be a little vulnerable. I was on a call with a dad, Matthew, a couple of weeks ago, and his seven-year-old daughter has, has finished one level of our class. So we have beginner, intermediate, and advanced levels. And she was moving into intermediate where they, we start to teach sharp knife skills. Again, age seven, which is awesome. And he said her favorite thing to do is to correct him <laughs> because as an adult, he had some bad habits that uh -oh. my videos would counsel against and she and mm -hmm. he said oh my gosh like when she gets to say dad don't put your finger down the knife mrs gimble says no <laughs> like uh. it gives her such a sense of pride to be the teacher so goodness if you aren't comfortable in the kitchen aren't confident with your cooking like that definitely is not a roadblock to teaching your kids oh. to cook just learn together Oh, okay. That's good. Learn together. Admit that you're not an expert mm -hmm. and learning together is so much fun anyways, right? Oh yeah. Especially the homeschoolers in your audience. I guarantee they're like relearned how to do the math and probably learned it right for the first time in certain chapters of the book. Like, oh, I never really got that in fifth grade. <laughs> now I do. Right. So we're always learning along with True. our kids. Sometimes it's just more obvious than other times. Mm-hmm. 
I've learned so much about politics and geography and world history from my son. So yes, I think that's a really good method and even having them learn and then they can show us because being the teacher is a really good way to learn. Yes, it is. It is research proven. The best way to learn is to teach someone else. There you go. You said that your kids have been cooking some meals for your family. And I am just because that happens in my family as well. But I have people that ask me this a lot. So how did you get your kids to start doing that? Do you have any tips for how parents can get some little chefs in their kitchen? Absolutely. Let's talk about the process because it's not about saying, hey, 12 year old son, you're making dinner tomorrow. Good luck, buddy. That's not going to go so well. So when I think about it as a process is first, don't even start with recipes. I'm a huge proponent of skills over recipes, hmm. meaning it's easier for the child and it's easier for the, our you know, parent brains and sort of our psychological blocks. This feels like too big of a task to just mm-hmm. say, I'm going to teach a child how to use measuring spoons. Mm. one day, right? Another day, I'm going to teach a child how to stir to a uniform mixture and what that word means. So just little tidbits, right? If you look at a pretty simple recipe, like a homemade muffins or maybe um, a veggie saute or something, you start breaking it down into skills. There's usually seven to 10 skills Mm -hmm. in any recipe. So that's why when I set up our course, they focused on skills only, Obviously, mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to make recipes, we have to make some food, but I really wanted it to be flexible and adaptable so kids with food sensitivities, people in special diets could just switch out the recipes as long as it fits the skill. Does that make sense? That does. So you start with skills. That's way easier on your exhausted parent brain. And mm-hmm. then once the kids can, they've built up enough skills to make a whole recipe. What I did with my kids was really this gradual release of responsibility, which is my parenting philosophy for all of all of parenting is how do we slowly give them a little bit more so my two kids started cooking because i wanted to volunteer at church at high school youth group which was Mm -hmm. at dinner time my very honest husband said "Uh -uh. (laughs) you are going to be a stressful mess if you're trying to leave the house at five on a sunday like i you can't volunteer there's no way so i went to my kids i said paul and leah i really feel called to volunteer with the high school kids would you be willing to make dinner every, it was actually every other Sunday. Mm -hmm. So they said, yes. So not only are we now serving as a family and learning the attitude of generosity, which is awesome, but they were cooking every other Sunday. So before the school year started, we chose like our favorite grain-free homemade pizza recipe. We're just going to have that every other Sunday. So I made it while they watched. I narrated what they did, put, got those in the oven right away. They made another batch. I watched hands off. And I might throw in a little tip here and there, but that way, see how gradual that is? They watch Mm -hmm. me, then they do it with me watching. Then the next week I'm gone. They're going to do it on their own. And they did that same recipe every other week for a whole year, which was great. Talk about mastery. Like they had that thing memorized. They knew they had to get in the kitchen at 447 to have dinner on the table at six. Like they had it dialed in, which is great. That's a skill in and of itself. Then the next year I said, okay, Now, every other time you got to choose something new, anything you want. And I'd sit down with them and we'd read through the recipe or we'd talk about where are all these ingredients in the house. You know what I mean? There's just Mm -hmm. so much that goes into making a recipe. So we'd really, I gave them that assistance, that crutch, so to speak. And then now we're in the third year now, and they just have to plan whatever they want every week. I don't remind them. We've had days where it'll be like, 
three o'clock on kids cooking day and I'll glance at my husband. I'll go, do you think Paul and Leah have any idea what they're making yet? Should we have mercy on them and tell them or just wait until six o'clock and sit down at the table and go, what's for dinner? We have not, we've never had to do that, but they've had a couple days where they didn't remember to plan until about four o'clock on a kids cooking night. But that's how you learn pressure under fire, right? That's how you learn to be adaptable and flexible. And those are all skills that cooks need and humans need in the real world. So it's the, the kitchen is an incredible arena to teach resilience and learning from failure and a good sense of humor and so many skills that we want our kids to have. Wow. I just want to give them a round of applause. That is so, I love that story. I love that they were willing to do that so that you could do something. And that kind of took a responsibility off your plate, even if it was just once every other week. Mm -hmm. That is so awesome. That says a lot for you as a mom and how you've raised your kids. That's fantastic. I know you have a special offer for the listeners out there today. Did this project with your kids morph into the course that you offer to people? When my son, Paul, again, he's now 15, was 10, he had to do a how-to speech to his fourth grade class. And I was like, maybe you should do food. Like I'd already been teaching parents Mm -hmm. online how to cook healthy food for six years. So he made homemade guacamole. I had to teach Mm -hmm. him how to use the chef's knife. But I had a crisis moment in the classroom watching him. I realized... Oh my gosh, he's 10 years old and guacamole is the only thing he knows how to make. So that was my personal crisis moment. I thought, I'm feeding these kids healthy food. He's going to leave home in eight years. And what if he doesn't know how to make it for himself? It's not going to stick. So that was like personal crisis number one. Personal crisis number two was that I was spending too much time in the kitchen and beginning to forget what my well-nourished children were looking like. (laughs) I was not spending enough quality mom time. Mm -hmm. So I, I genuinely needed help. And so that's why I started teaching my kids to cook six years ago. And that's what became the Kids Cook Real Food eCourse because I knew other parents needed the same help too. And then the other benefits surprised me out of there. The connection my kids have with each other, with me as we work in the kitchen, the confidence that they've taken on as a byproduct of having these real authentic skills as, a, as opposed to doing some artwork and we put it on the fridge and go, oh, good job. Apparently that doesn't raise self-esteem turns out, but they have genuine confidence knowing they can do real authentic skills and the creativity. It's just amazing. So again, like all these things that we really want as habits of mind and habits of attitude in our kids, I began to see in the kitchen. I began to hear member stories. So what came first, the chicken or the egg was me thinking, oh my gosh, I need to teach my kids to cook. Wow. And then created the course. And then once they were trained through creating the course alongside me, that then after that, they, they could take over. But I would love to share a free class with your audience. Well, well, tell us a little bit about the course. Sure thing. Yeah. So we, again, it's skills, not recipes. So I took just over 30 basic skills, had index cards all over the ground. I'm actually a teacher by training, um, Mm -hmm. by degree. And so I thought, what's developmentally appropriate for little kids, medium-sized kids and big kids? Uh, Why, how can these skills logically build on one another so that parents don't have to think? I want to take the thinking out of it for parents because I know your brain is tired. (laughs) (laughs) I know you don't have extra capacity for this. So I take the thinking out of it. I did all the thinking already. And we teach our beginner level is basically preschoolers ages two to five or six. We focus really on connecting with the parents, having really positive experiences in the kitchen. So they feel like they belong and they want to come back. 
and empowering them with real skills that are developmentally appropriate. So our preschoolers are making full snacks by themselves. They're making up the ranch dressing mix and the homemade taco seasoning for their families. And I will tell you, when you have a four-year-old make the taco seasoning, it sometimes takes 45 minutes, which is why we put them at the table <laughs> out of our way right. while we're cooking, which is a better height for gotcha. them. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But they can do it by themselves. And then every time we have taco night, we say, oh, guess who made these tacos taste so good? It was Gabe. Confidence up, up. So that's our, our mm-hmm. little kids. Our intermediate level is where we introduce sharp knives. We get those kids at the stove and we really teach them how to read and follow a recipe. So it's basically once kids can read, they should be able to pop into that intermediate level. And then our advanced level is for kids who have mastered those skills, who know how to be safe at the stove, who know how to use a sharp knife. And then we spend half of our advanced level with chef's knife skills. Because you know, Rebecca, the nourishment is in the produce section. Mm -hmm. And if you can't chop those fruits and veggies, the produce section is locked to you. So I want to unlock the produce section for these kids. So we spend a lot of time with chef's knife skills. And then we start talking about how to balance multiple recipes in one night. And we need that executive functioning that older kids have for some of that Mm -hmm. planning and some of that keeping your stuff together in the kitchen. But yeah, by the time our graduates finish all 32 lesson videos, they should be able to make any recipe, any normal recipe that they can look up on Pinterest, which is what my daughter does all the time. I bet my daughter does too. She's 12 and she loves looking up recipes. So is the course, is it three segments or when you purchase the course, do you get beginner, intermediate and advanced? Can you explain how that works? Sure. Most families buy our VIP level, which is all three lifetime access, no expiration um, because they want their three-year-old to be able to take the intermediate when he's seven and the Mm -hmm. advanced when he's 10. Because I have four kids, I know how hard it is to find activities you can do all together. I have a six-year-old and a 15-year-old, like even choosing a family movie for a Saturday afternoon is difficult. Mm. So I made this so that that bigger families can teach all three levels at once. Mm -hmm. And actually what the kids make at their developmentally appropriate levels merge into a meal or snack for the day. Yeah. So, so yeah. So like class one, your little kids will be spreading nut butter or cream cheese on celery and peeling a cucumber. Mm-hmm. The advanced kids are using their chef's knives to cut that celery and to cut that cucumber and the carrots. And then the medium-sized kids are learning to read and follow a recipe with ranch dressing and Italian dressing to dip mm-hmm. those veggies in. So it all just flows. Again, I did all the thinking. You guys, you don't have to think. <laughs> you Perfect. can just run it. And, and it's all, again, super flexible for food allergies as well. But I'm big on getting cool. knives in the hand of children. Which well, is, what I'm hearing is your course is basically going to help moms work themselves out of a job. Yes, said. I love to do that. Okay. So tell us about this special offer you have for our listeners. So I mentioned Matthew's daughter likes correcting him on don't put the finger down the knife, dad. And our members' favorite lesson is always our 10-minute knife skills and safety class. So that's for kids of all ages. We teach the same techniques, butter knives to chef's knives, because I feel the same way about kitchen skills as I do about kids' meals. It's You just have to grow through, right, and grow up. So we Mm -hmm. teach our kids how to hold a butter knife the exact same way as a chef's knife. Kids of all ages can watch this 10-minute knife skills video. And some moms say that just after that lesson, they're starting to get well-trained sous chefs who take 10 or 15 minutes a day off their plate, cutting up the vegetables. So it is a win-win all around. 
I can see that. And I think that probably learning alongside your child with this, maybe some of us moms can improve our knife skills because I've definitely been at some of my friends' houses and they are making dinner and I'm like, really hope she doesn't cut her finger off. I really hope she doesn't because I don't want her to pass out. I don't want us to have to take her to the emergency room. So yeah, I think that perhaps this could even benefit some moms like brushing up on our own knife skills. So thank you for that. How do we go about getting access? Are you going to share a link with us? Yeah. Yep. You can go to kidscookrealfood.com slash that organic mom. I'm sure you can share the link in your show notes. And man, when you said that, I'll have to share it one more more story. Mom named Debbie Uh in our members Facebook group just shared recently. She said uh, she works at a hospital and every day when she gets home, her kids say, who did you help today, mama? And one day she said, well, I had to attend a surgery for a woman who cut her finger trying to cut an orange. And her little three-year-old goes, hey, out of the way. <laughs> that's, that's, what we, that's one of our fun phrases in our class that the kids repeat. And they all said, she should take Mrs. Kimball's class. And what was she thinking? Hey, out of the way. Nice. Okay. Wow. So you could save a finger yes. by just watching this class. So you said the class is about 10 minutes. Yes, it is really doable for busy families. Good. Okay. So everyone listening at least has 10 minutes to dedicate to learning better knife skills. Keep yourself out of the emergency room. Thank you, Katie, so much. I'm excited. I'm definitely going to watch this and make sure that my daughter and I are practicing good knife skills because we tend to make all of the meals here. Now my kids are, my older kids are grown and off doing their own thing now. Thank you so much. I just really enjoyed talking to you. I think this is such an important topic. And as far as getting more information about your course, about other offerings that you have, where can listeners go to find you and what you do? You can observe Kids Cooking Night and all we do in our household best on Instagram. Um, That's where I'm the most real at Kids Cook Real Food. And Mm -hmm. yeah, kidscookrealfood.com is the hub where we not only have our e-course, but I also am really working to be a hub for children's health. So how do we, how do we as parents best raise healthy kids, body, mind, and spirit? And I do a lot of interviews as you do with experts in the medical and mental health fields. Excellent. Yeah. I realized whenever we set up this interview that I've been following your Instagram account for quite a while. It's kids cook real food. Yes. Just all together with no spaces. And I had seen something on your Instagram the other day about broccoli. It was like, why don't I stress eat broccoli or something like that? And I was like, that's a really good question. (laughs) You know, when we stress, we don't stress eat broccoli. Why is that? But yeah, so there's a lot of really good stuff on your Instagram. Like I said, I've been following it for a while. I really enjoy what you put on there. Thank you again for being here. I've enjoyed this interview. And if you're listening, make sure that you go check out the show notes. There's going to be a lot of really neat stuff in there. And you can take this 10 minute knife skills class that Katie is teaching. So thanks again for being here, Katie. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for letting me connect with your audience. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review so other people can learn about this podcast. Find out more about sleep, hygiene, eating healthy, tasty recipes, zero-waste lifestyle, and lots more on thatorganicmom.com. Help us spread the word. Be blessed and stay healthy.